Hello and welcome. I'm Jeff Bonanno, and you are listening to the Do Something Nice podcast. Do, 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 do something, 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 do something, do something, do something, do something nice, 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 do something nice, do something nice, do something nice. Hello, my dear friend, and welcome to the 50th episode of Do Something Nice. How was your day? You know, I'm hoping it's good, and I'm hoping you can find some point in your day to smile and enjoy the life given to you. We have so much going on in our day sometimes, and your well-being, your emotional and physical state, your environment all have an impact on how we can or can't stay positive. Let's face it. The human race is complicated. You are complicated. And everything we do or don't do within ourselves or with others just makes things even more complicated. And we question sometimes if we can even get through the day, let alone a whole week or a month in the state we are in. Now, like I mentioned, this is the 50th episode for the Do Something Nice podcast. And I wanted to do something special for you. This episode is going to be a bit longer than you're used to, but I guarantee you that you're going to feel inspired and you will enjoy what's in store for you. A little while back, the company I work for provided some leadership training. It was an amazing time and I had the opportunity to meet some amazing and kind individuals. And even more, it was instructed by someone who did such a wonderful job teaching us. After one of the sessions, I had a chance to talk to her a little bit more, and I knew right there and then I needed to bring this person onto the show to share some of her experiences with you. So in this special 50th episode, I asked Jordana Cole to join me so we could talk a little bit about positivity in the world and our own well-being. Jordana is currently leading the learning and development training with the company we both happen to work for and is also instructing at the University of Pennsylvania, where she happened to earn her Master's of Applied Positive Psychology. She also earned her Bachelor's in International Affairs at the George Washington University and has many licenses and certifications as a coach and trainer for team and leadership improvement programs. So here we are. Welcome to Do Something Nice, Jordana, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jeff. I'm kind of honored to be a part of the 50th show. Right? Well, it's a, a big pleasure. responsibility. It is. It is. So hopefully you can hold up to it, right? <laughs> I will do my best. That's for sure. Now, Jordana, I personally was super excited to hear about the experience you had in regards to positive psychology, and just working with you on a professional level has been exhilarating and energetic. Um, which I'm sure we'll be able to pass some of that positive energy to everyone listening, right? That's that's what I strive for. And thank you so much for sharing that. That means the world to me. And hearing things like that from you are part of the reason why I really love what I do and, and take it as a very serious responsibility. Well, great. So, Jordana, um, I mentioned briefly about some of the experience you have, but I did want to start off by diving into more about your experience and education and 
how this applies to contributing to a more positive environment um, or world. Sure. Well, it's actually an interesting story of how I got involved in this line of work and how I also got involved with going back to school at the University of Pennsylvania. I've had a really, really windy career path. Um, (laughs) I've done everything from working in a university as an academic advisor to managing sales teams in a ed tech company uh, to working for a nonprofit to learning programs and financial services. And it was interesting. What kind of got me into the learning and development field is I had been working at a company for a number of years and was starting to get a little burnt out on my role. And I didn't really know why. So I took some time to really think about my windy career path. What are the things that have in common across the board? What are the things that energize me? Um, What are the things that motivate me? What are the strengths that I think I bring to the table? And just what's kind of like the purpose that I want to fulfill. And in doing that, I realized that the things that I've enjoyed the most have been positively impacting people and really helping them to uncover their own potential so that they could bring that out on a day-to-day basis to help create a better place um, for themselves, the teams they are a part of and lead, and just in life in general. So when I thought more about that, I was in a role at the time where I was actually managing a team And I realized that while I had the opportunity to do that with the team I led in a really deep and impactful way, that I really wanted to broaden my impact. I wanted to kind of have that like multiplier effect where I could spark potential and spark well-being and as many different people as possible and see that spread um, all over the world in a positive way. And along the same time, I wound up discovering, um, and I feel like I didn't really actively discover it. It's more like it found me, the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology program at the University of Pennsylvania. And we'll talk more about that, um, but that's all about the science of well-being. And when I was thinking about, okay, if I want to be in a role where I can really impact people, I need to understand what helps people thrive. Um, And then what is kind of the area that I like to really make that positive impact and help people thrive? So, I thought about it and I thought about, again, what energized me and realized, you know, as adults, uh, particularly in America, we spend more time at work than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, The workplace, the people we interact with there, um, we spend way more time there than we do oftentimes with our families, our friends, our communities. And how we show up at work and how work fuels us really impacts every aspect of our lives. So, I thought about, you know, my role as a leader and how I helped, um, you know, kind of bring out more of the best in my team members and how that influenced their lives. And I wondered, you know, can I learn more about how leaders and organizations can create a culture that enables people within it to thrive and and really fuels well-being for the individuals in it, um, for the customers they support and for the organization at large? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what sparked me to go into learning and development and more particularly leadership development um, and to enroll in the Master of Applied Positive Psychology program at UPET. So um, I'm also on the side, I'm an improviser. I've been a short form improviser for a number (laughs) of years. Uh, I love it. (laughs) I bring it into my leadership programs, as as you know. (laughs) Yeah, you do a wonderful job at it too. Oh, thank you. So I didn't scare you off with too many of my games? (laughs) No, we had a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> Great. Maybe we'll play one later. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. 
Um, so I thought a lot about how as adults, we've kind of forgotten to play. And I also realized how instrumental improv had been in my development as a leader and in really helping me to develop strong connections and relationships. And when I think about what work is, it's really about um, the interpersonal connections, um, working together through collaboration to get things done and create positive impact. Whether that be, you know, somebody working with a customer, somebody working with a partner, um, somebody working with a teammate, somebody working with a manager, almost every single aspect of work today involves other people. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I went back to school for. And I have the ability to really apply this in, in my everyday. So um, I lead workshops, I design programs, I consult and coach leaders to help them lead um, as the best possible leaders and human beings they can be. I help them learn tools and techniques to bring out the best in their teams and what, both at the individual and the collective level so that they can help each other and their organizations flourish. And over the past kind of seven years I've been doing this work, I've had the opportunity to really work with leaders from individual contributor roles to the C-suite in domains like higher education, technology, financial services, e-commerce, nonprofit, um, including teams from finance to engineering, sales to service, art to manufacturing, and really everything in between and have been really fortunate to be able to work for organizations who've also invested in me and believed in what I was doing enough to enable me to travel all over the United States, the UK, Australia, and even work with team members in Malaysia as well. Wow. And what's been really cool about that. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I get really excited and I just keep going. (laughs) That's that's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's been an amazing opportunity to work with people in all different cultures and domains of life. And I'll be honest, at first I was really nervous. I didn't know if they would respond as well um, in different teams and roles or even cultures as to what I was teaching and what I was focusing on. And I realized that um, despite our differences, that there's some core themes to great leadership. And I think we've all kind of had in common where we've had great leaders that those leaders care about us and care for us. They see the potential in us that we might not see in ourselves and they help us bring it out um, and, and create an environment where we can grow and contribute. Ultimately, I think what great leaders and great cultures do is they help us feel like we matter. And I feel like when we feel like we matter, that's when we're able to enhance our well-being, feel more positive, and contribute goodness to the world at large. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's uh, interesting because in this show, we often um, find stories about uh, people that they're, they're diamonds in the rough and they just uh, suddenly appear um, throughout the world. We don't even center just on the U.S., but we've uh, mm-hmm. shared stories of people that have stepped up to be leaders in something they believe in um, throughout the world. And the different cultures that we have on this planet um, – the 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 big connection that I always see is kindness, and um, these these leaders are able to actually like understand that and grasp that concept. Yeah, I think that's so true. 
One time I was actually having a conversation with a newer leader in a program I was running, and we were talking about a leader that he admired and he couldn't quite put his finger on, like, what was it about this leader? So I went into my kind of coaching realm and I started asking him some deep open-ended questions and kind of reframing back what I thought I heard him share. And ultimately what it came back to was like the great leaders, he felt like were really investing in him, not because they wanted something in return or they needed something. It was because just for that person purpose, that was the, the end, that was the means And I I think that connects directly back to kindness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a big trend in servant leadership. um, And I think the best leaders are those who lead to really benefit others and benefit the world, um, not because they want something themselves. Yeah, that's so true. So um, we touched a little bit, you you mentioned a little bit about uh, uh, your expertise in uh, positive psychology. Uh, Can you tell us more about what this is and how it's applied in the real world? Absolutely. Um, And what's really cool about the program that I went through, it's an applied program. So it's about creating scholar practitioners in the field, Um, you know, people like me who aren't necessarily in an academic institution uh, doing research, although we need people like that, but who can actually take the research and apply it in real world situations. Mm. So in a nutshell, positive psychology is the scientific study of well-being and what makes individuals, groups, organizations, and societies flourish. And how this came to be was the traditional model of psychology has been really focused on fixing illness and dysfunction. And that's because really since like post-World War II, um, psychology as a discipline has been aligned with um, the medical community. And if you think about it, right, like there's a lot of insurance that's associated with um, psychological health and psychological help, Mm. which means that in order to get reimbursed for what can be expensive treatments, oftentimes it winds up needing to be focused on a diagnosis and and fixing um, illness versus promoting flourishing. And uh, Martin Seligman, who's really kind of one of the core founders of the field, realized that, you know, psychology is only focusing on dysfunction it's really missing half of the human experience that fixing dysfunction in and of itself doesn't get to flourishing states. It just gets us to normal or to baseline. So if you imagine that like we're on a spectrum as human beings from a scale of negative 10 to positive 10, psychology was really focused on bringing people from negative 10 to zero. Hmm. And what he really kind of sparked with the field is, is, the thinking around, you know, is zero really where we want to be? Should that be the end state? And his argument was, no, um, it shouldn't be. Zero should be a starting point. We should aim to get people more on the positive side of the spectrum, and we should focus as a discipline on the research um, to uncover what it is that gets people there, um, and the interventions and treatments can help make that happen. So what's been really neat is the field's been taking off in the past 20 years. There's tons of research. There's um, been some really famous um, academic researchers who've really hit the mainstream, um, including people like Angela Duckworth, Sean Aker, who basically study positive psychology and are kind of two of the top TED Talks of all time. 
and the research is starting to permeate every aspect of life, um, from personal, professional, um, to children and adults, to um, even populations that are experiencing um, trauma or a mental illness, and alongside those who are well. And um, the field of positive psychology studies things like personal character strains, post-traumatic growth and resilience, positive emotions, positive relationships, meaning and purpose, mindfulness, states of flow, giving and altruism, or even grit. Mm -hmm. And what's been really neat is that there's a ton of research, not only on the um, social impact and organizational impact, even on the biological impact of uh, some of these things. So what I think is really incredible about positive psychology and why I love the field so much is that it's more than self-help, right? There's a ton of scientific research and academic rigor behind these things. Now, is it perfect? No. Any social science that involves, you know, people, people are complex, as you said in the intro. Yeah. Um, it, there's, there's always going to be some challenges with research, but it's definitely done to the gold standards of academic research. And there's been some really cool things um, that I wanted to call out that I think align with your program. Sure. Um, so one of them is um, there's a study called the Harvard Longitudinal Study by um, a researcher named George Valiant. He's one of the main researchers. There's a number of other researchers on it. And this is one of the longest studies. I think it's actually the longest study that's been done in the United States in an academic setting. So they've been following um, graduates from Harvard University for something like, it's a class where I think it's something like 75 years now mm -hmm. to see if they could figure out like, what are the things that are predictive of um, longevity and success in, in those particular individuals? So they basically like check back in with those individuals every year, a couple times a year. They track all kinds of things um, from um, health to mental well-being to relationships to financial success. And what they've found is that the single biggest predictor of whether somebody is thriving and more likely to live longer is the quality of the relationships they have. Wow. Right. I wow. mean, think yeah. about that. <laughs> and, and I think kindness goes hand in hand with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think every relationship involves that. That's so true. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one. Um, there's a couple of other studies that I wanted to share that I think might um, be of interest to your listener mm -hmm. and a couple of other models that I'll share, too. So um, one of, I think, uh, the neatest things in positive psychology is um, this idea of character strengths. So as human beings, we tend to have a negative, a negativity bias. We tend to focus on what's broken, what's not working. And that's a survival instinct. It's, it's what enabled our ancestors to survive in the caves when a lion was going to come and eat us. You know, we heard a, we heard a sound and we went, Ooh, that's scary. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. And our, our friend in the cave who went out and was like, I'm going to explore. He got eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Just and like the bad and, movies, and so yeah. we are. Yep, it's like a bad movie, and we're the ancestors <laughs> of the warriors. So it's baked into our brains. And the research around character strengths, and this includes both children and adults. And what's been super neat 
is this is starting to actually um, be integrated at a lot of um, uh, elementary, middle schools, and high schools now. Mm -hmm. This idea of character strengths is the idea that when we um, identify our strengths and when we hone our strengths and work from our strengths, there's a lot of research that shows that that correlates with enhanced performance and enhanced well-being. And I think you'll find this interesting. So the way that character strengths metric was, uh, or assessment rather, was created is that they looked at basically like what are the like paragon um, characteristics, values of individuals across cultures, across history that remain constant no matter what job you're in, no matter what class you're in, and that for each one we can really find exemplars um, of people who have really embodied those strengths. And they use that as a starting point to then kind of build out the assessment and test its validity and reliability. Hmm. Now, one of those character strengths is kindness. Mm. Yeah. So okay. there's things like, um, in addition to kindness, there's things like curiosity, appreciation of beauty and excellence, fairness, bravery, leadership, um, love of learning, humor and playfulness. And each person has their own distinct blend of character strengths um, that, that enables them to kind of bring their unique selves to the world. So, um, yeah, and, and interestingly enough, kindness is one of my top five strengths. And I would guess that it's one of yours as well. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to brag, but I do enjoy being kind to people. And, and it's so much fun to just see the, the responses. Um, it's rewarding for me even to see how my kindness affects the world and affects people as an individual. So, yeah, I agree. And what's interesting about what you just said is, like, I don't want to brag. I think that's something that we struggle with as human beings. We've kind of been conditioned to believe that, you know, owning strengths, um, really calling out what we're great at, what energizes us, is something not to be proud of or confident in. It's mm -hmm. something almost that we have to hide. Um, and I think you should be celebrating it, right? Um, I think that what you just shared is a perfect example of character strengths and, and how you know that you're working from a strength. It energizes you when you do it. Um, it's something that's just innately part of who you are and how you orient with the world. And I think when we suppress that, that's when we tend to face more struggles mm -hmm. versus when we allow that to flourish and, and have opportunities to use it, that's when we're really at our best. That makes sense. And the research supports yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and you're right. Yeah. It is sometimes it, it's hard. Uh, and I get a lot of uh, smack from, from friends that are like, you need to admit that you're a nice person. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard mm -hmm. for people to do that. Well, not only need to admit it, own it. Mm -hmm. That's what makes you awesome. Right? That's what you bring to the world. We need more nice people in the world. <laughs> This is true. And, and you know, even um, the listeners of this podcast, um, one of the ideas is to encourage people to be more, more positive and kind, not just to the world, but even to themselves. Mm, I think that's such a great point. Because it's interesting, like, even in the lens of character strengths um, that I was just talking about, there's a tendency for us to either overuse or underuse a strength, or even misapply it. Mm -hmm. So once we start understanding what it is and we can really hone in on it, it can allow us to use it in a much more productive manner. 
And one of the things that I find, and I've seen this in myself uh, with people who have kindness as a top strength, is it's very easy for us to burn out because we want to give, give, and give to other people. And one of the best things that you can do with character strengths is think about how you can use it in a new way or think about how you can aim it in a different context. And it's kind of that idea of, um, you know, when you're on a plane and you're told, put on your oxygen mask before you help somebody else, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you need to kind of uh, give that kindness and aim that kindness to yourself just as much uh, or even more than you would aim it to somebody else. Because that's going to enable you to be more effective in giving your kindness. Because if you're burnt out, you can't be kind to anyone. Wow, that is an amazing point. Yeah, I I love that point that you just made. Um, And the analogy is perfect. It really is. Uh, put on your own kindness oxygen mask, (laughs) Jeff, and anybody else who struggles with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, So there's two other studies that I think are um, really, really cool that relate back to your podcast. Um, One is from a researcher named Barbara Fredrickson, and she studies positive emotions. Um, She has two awesome books. One's called uh, Positivity and one's called Love 2.0, or it's Positivity 2.0, and love. I always forget which one. (laughs) We'll do a fact check. (laughs) Um, But her research is all about the role of positive emotions Mm -hmm. and um, what it plays in our health, our relationships, um, our creativity, and just our overall experience. And what her research has shown is that the more positive emotions that you have, um, she's developed what's called the broaden and build theory. Um, When we are experiencing negative emotions, our field of perception tends to narrow Mm -hmm. because we tend to get into the details, into the weeds to figure out how to problem solve, which is great in urgent situations and not so great in non-urgent situations. And what she's found is that positive emotions, when we feel it, we actually broaden our perspective. Um, It's like looking through a wide angle or a panoramic lens we're able to see more connections between things. We're more likely to reach out and make connections between more people. And that's going to enhance creativity. It's going to enhance collaboration and it's going to enhance individual and collective well-being. So she's got some really neat research. Now, the second one that I wanted to share is um, by one of my favorite researchers who's also at UPenn, Adam Grant. Um, he's written a couple books including um, Give and Take. And he also has a a work-life podcast, which is fantastic. Oh, nice. So he was kind of of curious, like, who succeeds at work? So he kind of clusters people into three categories. Um, You've got givers, takers, and matchers. So your givers are people kind of along lines of what we've been talking about who are willing to give themselves to help others before focusing on themselves. Takers are those who like, you know, I'm going to step on you to get what I want. It's that classic, like terrible stereotype of the used car salesman. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then matchers are kind of the traders. Uh, You know, you help me, I help you. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. So let me ask you this. If you were to guess um, what his research found, who of the three are most successful at work, who do you think it would be? Mm. I want to say that, oh, gosh, I, I want to say that it would be, um, 
as far as success, it would be somebody that is constantly like, I guess the bartering, like I, I, I do something nice for you. You do something nice for me. Um, just because of the way our society has always worked on like the bartering, bartering system. Interesting. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. somebody who's doing trade-offs, we're kind of partnering with each other to, to, for an exchange of goods and services, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, I've heard different people answer that question in different ways. Um, you know, if you're at an organization where the people who are ruthless rise to the top, you Mm -hmm. might say takers. And what's interesting is his research found that it's actually the givers. Really? But the, oh yes. But the givers bookend. So the givers are uh, most likely to be on the lower end of the bell curve and the higher end of the bell curve. So the, he found that the givers that were successful were those who didn't burn themselves out. Those mm-hmm. who didn't sacrifice themselves and their own well-being in the process to give towards others. They were the givers who maintain what he calls an otherish focus. So it's still about helping others, but in a way that aligns with our priorities, um, our focus, our gifts, et cetera. So it's that idea of the oxygen mask. And, and what it really is, is it's people who are kind of using that kindness strength um, truly as a strength, um, applying it in the right way for productive outcomes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a really interesting insight. I, I... I enjoy that. Yeah. I would inc- highly recommend his book. I think you would love it. Uh, yeah. I think I might have to ke- pick up a copy of that and add that to my like 20 books that I have to read now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I've got a stack of like 15. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, well, this show does spend some time talking to listeners to promote positive thinking and encourage people that you can get through your day with positive thoughts. Um, I know one thing people do apply your degree to is as a life coach. Um, can you share a little advice or expertise on how people can stay positive when the world gets rough around them? Yes. And uh, the first thing that I would say is it's hard <laughs> and it's and it's. And it's okay to be okay with that. I mean, I study this stuff. I live and breathe this stuff. And I still fall into some of those same traps. And what I do lean on is some of the techniques that I've learned um, in positive psychology to help me through it when things get hard, while also recognizing that, you know what, sometimes we need those negative thoughts as well. Um, You know, there's a difference between living in a world where everything is awesome all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, having what's called optimistic realism. Mm. Um, And that's about, you know, having hope, even when things are tough. And also recognizing that the tough stuff is part of the human existence. And it is going to help us grow. We need that balanced approach to life. If you've seen the movie Inside Out, it reminds me very much about that. Mm -hmm. And it's how do we um, be successful when those things happen? Yeah. So there's a couple of um, techniques that I can share. Okay. So um, one is the strengths that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. So I think um, if you kind of get into that negative spiral, one of the things that you can ask yourself is, you know, what are the strengths that I have that I could bring to this situation? Or, um, you know, is this a strength that's being overused or misapplied in this context that I could reorient um, to help me be more successful? 
Or how could this experience help me enhance a strength of mine, even if I don't see it in the moment? So that's one thing um, that we can do as individuals when we get um, kind of stuck in the, in the downturn. And that also aligns with um, this idea of a growth mindset. So growth mindset is a term that's been coined by Carol Dweck. And she's done a lot of research, um, both with kids and adults, about how um, those who kind of um, are resilient through setbacks are individuals who have a growth versus a fixed mindset around challenges. So instead of seeing challenges as a reason to say, I'm not good at this, I'm bad, I should give up. Instead, it's um, seeing challenges as a learning and a growth opportunity. And one of the best ways to have a growth mindset is to find ways to celebrate the small wins and celebrate the progress rather than the outcomes itself. I think too often we set, you know, really lofty goals for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we don't meet them, we get dejected. And I like to think of goals kind of like summoning a mountaintop. And, you know, we don't just like parachute into the mountaintop if you're actually climbing a mountain. It mm -hmm. takes a ton of steps to get up to the top. Sometimes you have to go backwards and sometimes you have to go around because there's an unexpected obstacle. And instead of, you know, focusing on what's left to go, taking a moment to celebrate, look at how far I've come or look at what I now know that I didn't know a week ago or look at this thing that I'm better at, or look at this one thing that's good um, that might not have been good yesterday. So um, something that I personally do and I encourage others to do is create a mechanism where you could reflect on and celebrate the small wins or celebrate at least kind of three good things per day, no matter how small they are. So it could be something, and you know, some days we have them, it could be something like, you know what, I did a pile of laundry that's been hanging out on my floor for two weeks. Or I, you know, pet my dog for five minutes. Or, you know, right now I'm sitting in a room where it's been raining for the past two days and now the sun's out. So, you know, really taking that time to kind of reflect on what are the three small wins or three small good things about today, even if today was really, really hard, can be a really, really powerful tool. Wow, that's amazing. And, and you know, it, 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 everything you were just talking about kept making me think about the, uh, the concept of the glasses half empty or half full. And yeah. um, I often take it a step further and I say, well, it's half empty. Let's, let's down that glass and fill it back up again type thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the ability to actually keep that mindset you're you're right it's it's really hard and i know there are yeah. times where it's like we we forget that and we lose track of that and having that mindset has that uh, knack of helping you kind of build up that um that level of courage and that level of optimism that we could easily just throw to the wayside and say you know what it's not working for me i give up yeah, I think it helps create hope. I mean, hope is essentially a belief that the the future state is going to be more positive than the current state, even if you don't have any control over it. It's really a belief in good things, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what I think the growth mindset really does create. It's not it's not ignoring the fact that what you're going through is hard or challenging. It's helping you recognize that that's not the end of the story. 
So there's one more tip I yeah. would love to share. Absolutely. So um, there's there's also research around um, pessimistic thinking versus optimistic thinking. And when we get stuck in pessimistic spirals, usually it's a combination of the following three things. So I think if you can kind of remember this as a statement or a mantra, and I can help you unpack it. Okay. So it's, um, is this thinking personal, pervasive, or permanent? And I'll explain what each of those things are. And when you have more than one or even all three, that's when we tend to get stuck in the negative spirals. And I'm going to help you challenge your thinking when you do. Okay. So I'll start backwards with permanent. So when we're in a permanent thinking state, we believe whatever's happening us to us right now will always be happening to us. So, you know, you're stuck in traffic, you're going to be late for work, and you're kind of like, I'm going to be here forever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm never getting out of here. I'm going to be stuck in this lane for the next 25 years of my life, right? right. And that's, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but our, our brains start thinking that way. So if you can instead take a step back and go, you know, will it always be like this? Has it always been like this? And when you can say, no, this is just going on in this moment, it makes it a little easier to kind of dissipate some of the strong emotions um, and let it go a little bit and kind of recuperate some of that glass, (laughs) fill up that glass a little bit, if you will. Yeah. So the second one is pervasive. Um, So pervasive is kind of, uh, so if permanent is all the time, pervasive is everywhere. So um, if you're saying like, this always happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, everybody's always fighting, right? Um, That's an example of a pervasive thought. Instead of putting it into the context of, this particular moment, we think it's something that's just all over the world. Like, you know, politics is always divisive. Um, Everyone is at each other's throats. So again, similar to permanent, how do you challenge that thinking? Mm -hmm. Um, What are, what are things that, uh, what are circumstances or situations where it hasn't been like this? What are examples of the opposite of this? Um, Who can I talk to that might not be like that? And then the last one is personal. And that's when we feel like it's our fault. Mm. Or on the flip side, we blame it on everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if if we kind of have that feeling of everybody hates me or they have a personal vendetta against me, asking yourself, what might be another reason that has nothing to do with me? What might be something that's completely outside of my control? So I'm sure you can imagine if, if you s- took the mindset of this happens all the time, this happens in every situation, and it's because the universe hates me, it's going to be pretty hard to get out of that negative spiral. And frankly, that's not true. Um, and we can actually reshift our perspectives around that by reminding ourselves that, you know, it's not about me personally that this happens some of the time and some of the place, this isn't the whole story. You know, it makes me also think about uh, um, couples in relationships too, um, Mm -hmm. where it's really easy to 
um, approach things in one of one of these three or all three um, uh, yeah. steps. It's like, and and you hear the arguments um, that couples have, um, or friends, um, or just family in general, and everyone gets so heated. But then they start looking at it in those perspectives, and it just it never solves the problem. It only just yeah. makes it worse. Yeah, that's a really great point. I mean, how often in a fight do you say, you always do this? You mm -hmm. know, why are you doing this to me? And I think these are really great techniques to help you kind of take that step back, um, dispel a little bit of the emotional stakes that are coming up. And um, remember that you're in a partnership with that person and you care about them and, and you want to seek to understand what's going on, how you can work together to be successful. Yeah. Wow, awesome. Thanks for sharing that extra suggestion and tip there for us. Oh, you're welcome. So, um, of course, I often talk about people doing kind things for others, too. Um, in in the show, I indulge in that quite a bit. Um, but I would love to hear about some of the random acts of kindness you've experienced in the world. Sure. I mean, I think it happens every day, right? Um, I think random acts of kindness don't have to be these grandiose gestures. There are these small things. Um, but there's actually, I think, a couple of things that come to mind and really reflecting on it now. So thank you for letting me reflect on this. Oh, because absolutely. I think it's it's kind of actually driven some clarity for me as to maybe why kindness is one of my strengths and one of my core values. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so ironically, um, my oldest memory is of me getting lost at a county fair hmm. when I was about four years old. Um, and I was, as you can imagine, extremely scared, um, completely alone. And a vendor at a booth saw me wandering around, got down at my level, you know, asked me how old I was, asked me how many parents I had and whether they were here and told me that she was going to help make sure that I got reconnected with my parents, flagged down a cop. And I obviously did get <laughs> reconnected right. with my parents. And it was just that moment of her seeing this scared child and, and really stepping away from her booth and potentially losing money that day to, to make sure that I was okay and to make sure that I got reconciled with my family. Oh. And I think it's really interesting that that's my oldest memory, right? right. And, and given like everything that I'm passionate about now. <laughs> wow. My second favorite example um, is when I was around 13, um, uh, my uncle, who I'm very, very close with, lives out in San Francisco. And um, my grandmother took me on a trip to visit him uh, for the first time. And I remember we were in his car and we were going through a toll on the Golden Gate Bridge. And as we got to the toll booth operator, um, the operator said, oh, the person in front of you has already paid. Mm. And now I grew up in central New Jersey, the New York area. People don't pay for tolls back there. <laughs> <laughs> So I was blown away. I was like, that's amazing. Did you know that person? And he was like, no, this happens all the time. Wow. And I said, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've tried to do that um, like at Starbucks now for people every now and then mm -hmm. um, because I just – I know how excited that made me. And it's just that small gesture can can completely make a day and, and you never know who's behind you in line you know it might be somebody who those extra three or four dollars you know make the difference in a meal you know for their family yeah so uh yeah 
I just, I love that. And then I started kind of doing similar stuff as I got older. So I was in high school in the nineties. Um, and, uh, I had AOL instant messenger. Yep. Oh Super yeah. Cool. I remember 90. that. The... <laughs> yep. The fun mode. I'm... Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, so I actually created a screen name and I would go online and this is like, I probably did this from my senior year of high school to my sophomore year of college and people would create profiles where they would put their birth date in a profile mm-hmm. and you can search for people's birthdays. So I would search for people um, whose birthdays occurred, you know, right after midnight and wish them a happy birthday. And it, I had a uh, screen name that was called uh, everyday angel. And sometimes people wouldn't believe I was a complete stranger. They'd be like, no, really, who is this? Who is this? (laughs) And I was like, no, you don't know me. And it was a small thing that I would do for 30 minutes a night and would just make people's days. I came across one or two people who told me that I was probably the only person who was going to wish them a happy birthday. And it was just something so small. (laughs) Oh, wow. How did that make you feel when, when you heard that stuff, though? Oh, like like my insides were like the warmest, coziest, uh, indoor fireplace you can think of. (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. I mean, knowing that I was helping that person, obviously I was, I was so sad to feel that somebody didn't have anybody else in their lives who, you know, either remembered that day or cared enough about them to wish them a happy birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, but it made me feel so, so like important to be able to be that person for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah. So those are those are just, I think, kind of some of my uh, favorite examples. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I always love it when I see, I'm on the metro because I live in the D.C. area and mm-hmm. I see, you know, a high school kid stand up because there's, a, you know, an older person or a pregnant woman on the train and they want to make sure to give up their seat on the on the crowded train. I actually think that kindness is in our nature. I know that we sometimes forget that given everything going on in the world today and, and what the media portrays. But I, I really feel like as human beings, we tend to be innately kind and there's actually research that backs it up. Yeah. Um, so in, in this show and on the do something nice website, I challenge listeners to do something nice for someone without being caught. And, you know, it, it sounds like you've already really embraced this idea and it, it basically challenges, though, people to do something without the need for recognition or basically be a nice ninja. Um, would, would you tell me about your outlook on the idea? I know we kind of already talked about it, uh, but just your outlook on the idea of doing something nice for someone without being caught. I love that idea. <laughs> and and also, I love the term nice ninja. That mm-hmm. is Awesome. Like if if you wanted to make a nice ninja design, I would literally be the first person to buy a, some nice ninja gear, just so you know. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so I think it's really cool for a couple of reasons. First off, um, I love that it's playful, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a bit of a game. It's something that anyone can do. There's, there's something about like, you know, sneaking around and uh, you know, doing something nice and, and, and nobody seeing it. Um, I just love it. And, and I think it's, it's something that doesn't only generate the positive emotions by helping others. 
it also generates the positive emotions um, through the playfulness in it and the, and the humor in it. And it, um, I've actually, for the last few years on my birthday, been um, doing something on Facebook where I've been asking people, instead of sending me birthday wishes, to do a random act of kindness and post on my wall what they did. And that that would be the like best gift that I can ask for. And it's been so cool to see the different things that people share. And, and even like people who I don't really interact with much, you know, maybe I met at an improv um, event a few years ago. Um, but this really kind of sparked them to do uh, a random act of kindness uh, to, you know, family members. So, and everything in between. And um, I, I've thought about it, you know, from the academic standpoint of like, why does this feel so cool? And one of the things um, that's been researched about gift giving is that we tend to feel more positive emotions um, and promote more long-term well-being when we give gifts of experiences versus giving gifts of material items. So when you think about, I feel like this is like the inception of gift giving experiences, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because uh, they're giving me a gift by doing a random act of kindness, which means that they're also giving a stranger a gift through that random act of kindness. And by doing the act, they're also getting the gift of the positive emotions and fulfillment of doing the kind thing. And I feel like I've, I have a, you know, a positive inoculation then, or like spreading myself as like a positive virus um, of creating connection because I truly feel like the world would be a better place if we look at opportunities to connect with people that we don't know who are different from us, um, rather than look at the things that separate us. And this is a great way to do that. I couldn't agree with you more. Honestly, I really couldn't. That's it's so true. So how, can I ask you how that idea got sparked for you? I'm curious. That's a very good question. Well, it actually, um, there's, there's a lot to it, uh, but the Reader's Digest version of it was that... Um, when I was younger, I had done some things that I just I wasn't proud of, and I hurt people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And uh, one one woman in per- particular, uh, actually uh, back then, uh, she was a girl. She was somebody that was in my uh, my class, and we were really good friends. But she always got teased, and I got teased eventually as well. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to be teased anymore, so I just won't associate with her anymore. And it. I could tell it broke her heart, and I realized how much it hurt me inside that I actually hurt somebody else. And um, mm-hmm. it's something that's always been in my mind um, as I've gotten older, and I have never forgotten that. And I, I certainly hope that 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 person is doing doing good and 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 has become such an amazing person. And I know it wasn't because of me. But I do hope that they are, you know, doing well. And um, on the flip side of it, I was thinking about how I really could do better at being good and kind. And I couldn't really, you know, create words to uh, describe that feeling, though, of how I wanted to to do nice things for people Um and I happened to be at our local hospital, and there was a sign that uh, said to do something uh, nice for someone um, without them knowing. And it's like, mm. oh, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. And that actually started to resonate with me. And I thought about it and thought about it, and I realized, you know, it. I would love to see more people 
um, you know, be kind for others. And um, just so happened for me, I was sitting at, at a coffee shop um, and somebody had paid for my coffee. And I hmm. was I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and they left before I could even thank them or even acknowledge who they were. And that's when it just finally hit me. That person did something nice for me without getting caught. And mm. so I started I, I started really embracing that idea and wanted to start challenging other people. And then of course I I was like, you know, it's kinda like being a ninja when in kindness. And I was like, Oh, we'll be you know, you can be a nice ninja. Um and yeah. so I've I've really embraced those things and that's where I started creating that that um that challenge and fast forward um, here we are with this podcast, and it's just the opportunity to share that with people worldwide. So mm. that you know, and I, it's it's now like embodied in me, and it's part of who I am. So it's it's a really nice feeling to know that there are other people out there too, like yourself, that that follow that kind of stuff too. I and I I love your story because I think it's a perfect example of what we talked about earlier about, you know, sometimes those hard things and those negative emotions can make us stronger when we can think about what can we learn from them and how can I be better as a result of them. Mm -hmm. So what's cool is I think like you and I have wound up kind of coming to the same place about giving forward, if you will, and, and doing a random acts of kindness without <laughs> being caught. But how we came about it was very different. You know, mm -hmm. I think mine came from positive experiences and yours came from not so positive experiences, right. but we both wound up at the same end result. And um, there's, there's actually some really interesting concepts in positive psychology around um, the idea of post-traumatic growth mm -hmm. and sometimes um, traumatic experiences and, and really negative experience can actually help us grow um, in greater ways than just positive experiences. And I think your story is is a true example of that. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I don't even think about it sometimes. Um, so thank you very much for pointing that out because um, while, yeah, I know what I did in the past and how it created me who I am now, I there are times where I don't realize that that is honestly what, uh, what created the roots for um, how I am now. Hmm. And they're pretty, they're, they're sturdy roots. That's created a pretty good tree. <laughs> so very true. Very true. Well, we are getting closer, close to the end of this uh, conversation. And at the end of each show, I enjoy sharing a quote from someone who has inspired the topic at hand. Um, do you have any quotes you live by that you would like to share? Absolutely. And I think actually the tree comment is a really great segue. <laughs> um, so my favorite quote, and one that I think of as kind of my personal mantra in what I do professionally, who I am personally, is a quote by Emerson. And it's, the creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. And um, I really take that to mean, you know, like, as an individual, I have the ability to to kind of seed um and nurture what could become a pretty epic forest, right? And I think we all have that as individuals. And what kind of forest are we looking to create? And I think when you think about kindness and particularly in being kind of that nice ninja, right? Mm -hmm. 
um, it's really about uh, being an acorn that's kind of planting a forest, right? Like it's seeding a forest of kindness and, and one that's hopefully a global forest. So I really think it aligns with everything that you're doing on this podcast and everything that your listeners do to help spread that kindness forest around the world. Yeah. So I love Emerson. He's, he's just kind of one of my favorite authors of all time. And he has so many good things about leadership and nature and well-being that so resonate today. It's kind of amazing to think that, uh, he wrote it at a very, very different time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that um, for our listeners, that's uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, he's a essayist, uh, philosopher, and poet. So, do you have any other uh, quotes that you wanted to share? Yeah, the uh, the other one I have. Um, so there's a marketer by the or name of Seth Godin, mm-hmm. and he's a fascinating guy. Um, he writes a lot of business books around. Um, and and even like uh, leadership and organizational books around uh, people who are linchpins of organization, teaming and tribing, um, you know, how do you create positive buzz? And he has a very, very unique style. Mm-hmm. And he um, has a blog that he writes in every day. And one of my favorite blog posts of him is uh, called Glow in the Dark. And it's all about being the type of person who radiates energy and glows in the dark versus um, depletes energy or perpetuates the darkness. Mm. And it's one paragraph, um, but I was so inspired by reading that, that I actually got a silver bracelet um, custom made on Etsy with those words stamped in it that I wear almost every single day (laughs) (laughs) to remind myself to be the type of person who, who glows in the dark that creates light that creates warmth in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's what you're doing here. And I think that's something that we can all do and how we can promote positive thinking, positive thoughts, positive well-being, even when things are hard. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And it's interesting because not everyone thinks that they can create that light. But in reality, mm-hmm. everyone has that potential. And we can really light up a room if enough people realize that. Yeah. And we are, we're all an energy source, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, we can all bring energy to a room or a group or we can all suck energy out of it. And how, how we do it is is different. You know, the way that I bring energy is different than the way you bring energy and the way, you know, somebody else would bring energy. We all have that potential within us. Yeah. That, yeah, you're right. You really are right. Um, so, I, I, I again, um, I think a lot of the stuff that you've shared with us today has been um, just so inspirational and uh, so many useful bits of information that, we might even like think about um, on the day-to-day basis, but we don't actually pinpoint, you know, what this actually means. And uh, the stuff that you've talked about today and with your expertise and everything, I think it really helps highlight some of those ideas and those concepts so that we can more grasp what it is around us. Well, I'm glad that I was able to help and uh, share. I mean, I love this stuff. I'm passionate about what I do and, uh, I feel like I'm one of the lucky people who gets to do something they love. And in the spirit of kindness, I love sharing it with the world. And I'm so grateful that you really wanted to interview me and included me on this podcast and 
gave me an opportunity to share what I know uh, with all of your listeners. So thank you so much, Jeff. You bet. You bet. Well, Jordana, I wanted to wrap things up by saying how much I appreciate you also taking time um, to speak with me and um, joining me with with this topic and with our fans of the Do Something Nice Network. Um, I know I enjoyed listening to your stories, and I'm sure they are uh, enjoying this as well as they're listening. So, um, But real quick, if uh, someone wanted to learn more about you or follow you online, how can someone go about doing that? Sure. The best way would probably be to uh, find me on LinkedIn. So there aren't too many Jordanicals. <laughs> I have a unique name. <laughs> Um, and my LinkedIn profile has um, MAPP, M-A-P-P, behind it for my degree. And uh, that's the way I love connecting most with people. I often share resources, um, quotes, thought-provoking questions on LinkedIn. Okay, wonderful. Well, um, also as a thank you for joining me on the show, I will be sending you a Do Something Nice care package, which includes a, uh, a mug and a t-shirt. And actually, that mug um, has the Do Something Nice uh, for Someone Without Being Caught logo on it. But on the back, it actually encourages you to be a nice ninja. So when you're drinking your coffee, you'll have that reminder every single day. So you'll have that and a few other goodies. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you. I can't wait to uh, use my nice ninja throwing stars. <laughs> Sounds good. So now it's your turn as the listener. I would love for you to share your stories with me, and I would love to highlight them on this show. So if you have one or would like to just leave me a message, you can by sending an email to mailbag at dosomethingnice.net or leave me a comment on the dosomethingnice.net website. Well, my friend, that's it for this episode, and I certainly hope you enjoyed listening to Jordana as much as I did, and that this special episode either added to your wonderful day or helped motivate you to make it better. I would love to hear your feedback and ratings, so if you would please share and follow this show on social media, you can on Facebook at Do Something Nice Podcast, on Instagram at Be A Nice Ninja, or also on Twitter at Be A Nice Ninja. Or you can also find this podcast at dosomethingnice.net or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do Something Nice and the show's music is produced by myself. I wanted you to know that some of the cool merchandise that Jordana is receiving today is also stuff that you can get too. In fact, you can find all sorts of things in the Do Something Nice merchandise store, including t-shirts, sweatshirts, flowy tanks, mugs, posters, or even a canvas print of the Do Something Nice design to hang up in your home or office. These are great gifts for yourself or someone you love who could use a little positive reminder. And at the same time, you're helping me keep this podcast going with your support. If you would like to check out this cool swag, simply go to dosomethingnice.net and click on the swag menu at the top of the page to go straight to the Do Something Nice store. And just for listening, you can use promo code NICENINJA, all one word, to receive a 10% discount off your entire order. Again, special thanks to Jordana Cole for taking the time to join us on the show. And as mentioned before, if you'd like to follow her online, you can find her on LinkedIn. And lastly, but certainly not least, I want to say thank you so much for listening in. And remember to be a nice ninja and do something nice. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>